Welcome to the Living to 100 Club podcast. Here's our host, Dr. Joseph Cassiani. Welcome everyone to the Living to 100 Club podcast, where we discuss strategies to live longer and stay positive about aging. We hear about programs and services and personal stories about successful aging and making it over the hurdles. Our goal is to create a mindset about living to 100 and turn aging on its head. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Joe Cashiani. Our guest for today is Dr. Leslie Kazanoff. We're talking with a health coach and consultant. Dr. Kazanoff and I will be discussing her work as a holistic family chiropractor. Among other subjects, we'll take a deep dive into those chronic health conditions that collectively affect the older adult population. Leslie has 30 years experience as a holistic family chiropractor, counseling her patients in nutrition and exercise and addressing spinal and full body health. For 10 years before that, she worked as a medical laboratory scientist. She spent her whole life in healthcare, including 25 years as a holistic chiropractor on the central coast of California. She combines her knowledge of science with her holistic nutrition expertise. Dr. Kazanoff works with women who want to lose weight, address hormone issues, and resolve chronic health issues. Welcome to our program, Leslie. Thanks for having me. Great. Glad to have you with us. I always like to begin by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about the journey that brought you to where you are today. Well... It all goes back to um, when I was training as a medical lab scientist. One of the very last things that I had to do after, um, after completing four years of schooling and a year of internship, one of the very last things that I had to do was I had to assist at the bedside for a bone marrow biopsy. And my job was pretty simple. All I had to do was stand at the bedside and get the sample when it was handed to me and make, make the microscope slides, bring them back to the lab and all was done. But when I walked into the room, the little old lady that was laying on the bed looked to my 22 year old eyes to be 110. (laughs) And I didn't know how old she was, but you know, um, and long story short, it was just a horrendous experience. You know, they, Basically, it's like a blunt, blunt ended needle that they force into the bone and they can't anesthetize because once you penetrate bone, there's no there's nothing you can do about it. There's no, you know, um, they just don't anesthetize for that. And it was just a horrible experience. And I, you know, they finally he finally handed the samples to me. I made the smears. I brought them back to the lab and what happened when I got back to the lab is what changed my life forever because I looked at, because I relayed this story to the senior tech and she looked at me with sad eyes and she said, but Leslie, they don't even treat leukemia in patients that old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I was flabbergasted to say the least. And it was like, what the hell am I doing here? And so it was in that moment that I realized that not only was I hopeless to do anything about about that in that situation, 
but I was hopeless in any situation I could grow, go into to have an effect on that paradigm. So that's when I decided I need to be on the other side of the fence, so to speak, and sure. and eventually moved into chiropractic. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it had such a powerful experience yeah. with you. The yeah. difficulty that the patient went through just to go through this specimen draw and how yeah. it affected you and seeing what you could do with a different hat on, with a different with a different it's, perspective. Yeah, different exactly. Um, and you know, and so I dedicated my life from that point on to keeping as many people as possible from ha- ever having to get into that hospital bed in the first place. Sure. And so, you know, became the chiropractor, did that for, you know, about 25, a little over 25 years. And then, um, and then with all that, the changes that I was going through personally, as I started aging and, you know, things started happening to me, um, going through the whole perimenopause thing, I had such a horrendous experience with that, that when I finally got a handle on that stuff, and started using some of those skills with some of the people that I was working still with in chiropractic, it became a very easy thing to move from there into the health coaching and consulting. Right. Yes. Yeah. As I read about your background, I see that you you really shifted from a traditional healthcare, Western-based healthcare approach into mm-hmm. this more holistic approach. This is what you're talking about then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your 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 practice. What do you do as a coach? What types of clients do you work with and what types of problems do you help them with? Well, I work predominantly with women 40 and over and basically the things that that I end up addressing end up end up being either there's they're about the whole perimenopause, menopause thing and difficulty that they're having with, you know, things like weight gain and forgetting why they walked into a room and all, you know, all the various and sundry, and sundry problems that go along with that. Or I also do see, see mostly women for chronic health issues, high blood pressure, you know, type two diabetes, those kinds of things. So, and basically the overall approach that I take is that I look at kind of a multifactorial thing. So it's, it's, diet, it's exercise, it's what's going on in your environment that's contributing to your hormone imbalance. It's looking at your gut microbiome and combining all that stuff together. Wow. Sure. So a collection of of different presenting problems. And, you know, from my perspective, working with older adults in my whole career, I, I see that chronic health conditions are really very prominent with this, this population. And, uh, it's such a serious risk factor for older adults. And it seems like once you get one chronic condition, maybe you're vulnerable to others too, COPD, to diabetes, obesity, and uh, whatever. So what do you, what do you think is going on? Is there one approach that can help us avoid managing all of them? Well, you know, that's, that's the interesting thing is that when, what I see more and more and what more and more evidence shows is that people who lead healthier lifestyles with their diet and with regular exercise and, and that the, those basic basics 
don't have the difficulty that those who are more enmeshed in the sad American diet, the standard American diet, um, and no exercise, couch potato, you know, that whole thing. You know, people make their choices about how they live. And if you spend your life sitting on the couch eating Doritos, you're going to pay for it. (laughs) You know, I, I hate, you know, I hate to be... You know, it sounds like I'm being a little facetious about it, but, you know, the body was designed to eat certain food, mostly fruits, veggies, beans, and whole unprocessed grains. And the more we keep to that stuff and the more we use the over 600 muscles in our body to do something with them, you know, healthier we're going to be. Right. Yeah. I've had other healthcare practitioners on the program who touched on the same subject. And really, mm-hmm. um, there's some line of thinking that says all of these are just different manifestations of the same problem, right? And whether it affects our heart or the weight or our breathing or, you know, the diabetes factor, it's it's all variations, different mm-hmm. manifestations of the same underlying problem. And as yeah. you say, it's the neglect of the, uh, neglect of the, you know, the positive lifestyle factors that we need to spend more time with. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting. You just got me thinking about something because one of the things is that, you know, you, you can notice in people like a couple who have been living together for 40 years, let's say, and now they're moving into their sixties and seventies and they're starting to come down with diseases and she has a heart attack and he has cancer. Now that's that's where the genetics come in. Mm. You know, it's it's not necessarily if you're going to get sick, but how you're going to get sick that's the genetic factor. Sure. But but the fact that you are going to get sick is much more the environment and what you've been doing, what you've been putting in your body, how you've been living your life for the past 20, 30, 40 years. With within that, the other thing that I'll also say is that it's not over till it's over. You know, the body has an amazing ability to heal itself. Sure. And you start putting healthy food into it. You know, I was just listening to a podcast the other day about a guy who was diagnosed at, in his late 50s with type 2 diabetes with with an A1C of like 17, that's like three times normal. Mm. He changed his diet, went on a whole food plant-based diet, and within a month, he was back down to normal range. Yeah. Yeah, the body does like that have all that. the time. The body does have that ability. It's just like smoking, giving up smoking yep. for 20 or 30 years. And over time, you can recover mm-hmm. and get back to not complete where you would be without smoking, but close to it. And I often cite the research from National Institute of Health as we talk about genetics and lifestyle. And, you know, they've shown that our longevity is due to um, genetics by only 25 percent. And 75 percent of our longevity is is based on lifestyle factors. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what you're saying. There are some things that we can't control, but there are a majority of things that we do. We do have control over. Sure. And it's interesting about that, too, because living long and living well 
are two totally different things. Yes. And, yes. you know, so, so you may have genetics that, that contribute to you living to 90 or, or older, but if you're not living healthfully, those last few years are not going to be pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into some specifics. I, I think this is very helpful information. And I wonder if you could share with our listeners some tips about diet. We know diet relates to our overall health so much, as you say. What are some of the, you know, just fundamental strategies that people could adopt to manage their diet? I think the biggest ones, some people aren't going to like this, but it's just the way it is. I think one of the biggest things is getting dairy out of the diet. Mm. And the reason I say, there's a lot of reasons I say that just globally, if you look at people who, who live long and healthfully have eat very little or no dairy. And when you really look at it, dairy was designed to turn a baby, a 40 pound baby calf into a thousand pound cow in a year, not doing much good for a grown human body. Sure. So um, you're talking about yeah. milk products, cheese, yogurt, anything dairy related. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, it's highly inflammatory. It promotes mm-hmm. cancer. I mean, I could give you a slew of reasons, but that's, you know, that's one of the big things is, is working with getting that out of your diet yeah. and, and working with not eating, not eating animal foods every single, you know, mm-hmm. multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. You look at the average American and, you know, they're eating eggs for breakfast, processed meats for lunch, and then some kind of meat for dinner. You know, they're eating, you know, and cheese in between. They're eating meat 20 times a week or more. Mm -hmm. So you think a few times a week, two or three times a week for meat products or is... You know, I, I, I tell people, you know, roughly what all the studies show, if you look at like the blue zone country, you know, blue zone regions... You know, they all they all eat some meat, but they keep it. It's well under 10 percent of their diet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. going to bring that up. Three yeah. to four ounces per per, uh, per meal, three to four ounces of meat per, per meal. So it was a small portion of meat. Yeah. And, you know, it depends. Basically, if you're doing three or four ounces, you know, if you do that two or three times a week, that's that's probably going to be pretty close to that. Sure. Ten ish percent. Sure. OK. That's good advice. Good recommendations. Yeah. And is it controversial? People question uh, dairy and gee, why should I give up dairy? Milk is healthy. We've always been told to drink milk for the vitamins and nutrients. I mean, you know, it's so interesting because people say drink milk for the calcium. Well, where does the, where does the calcium that is in the milk come from? It comes from the cows eating it in plants. Mm. So where does it ultimately come from? Sure. It comes from the plants. Plants. Okay. Okay. So we could short circuit that by just going directly to the plants and avoiding sure. milk. Yeah. Not yeah. only that, it's going to absorb better too, because your body does not absorb the calcium from, from milk very readily. Sure. Yeah. When, yeah. when I've heard that when we're low on calcium, drinking milk isn't the answer for that. No. Yeah. No. So how about exercise? Why, why is it so important? 
what should we be doing on a daily basis or let's say a weekly basis? What do you recommend? Here, I'll, I'll answer the why is it so, so important in my view first. I kind of go back to our hunter-gatherer cave dweller, cave dwelling ancestors. And, you know, there is, there are, I've, I've read literature that suggests that they moved around so much that they, that they had to take in like 5,000 calories a day. So our bodies were designed to move. We have, you know, I mean, you know, I, it, like I mentioned earlier, we have over 600 muscles in our bodies. Our bodies were designed to move. And, you know, if you're not moving your body regularly, if you're not stretching, strengthening and doing your aerobic workout and doing your balance, you know, you're sooner or later, it's going to wreak havoc on your system. Sure. And so as the, as far as the what to do, basically there's four types. I, I divide it into four types of exercise. There's stretching, there's strengthening, there's balance, and there's endurance. And so you want to do something that's going to address all of those. Now, fortunately, you can do something like yoga that, that can actually address all of them. Doesn't address the aerobics so much but it can address the strength and the flexibility and stretching and the balance, and then just add some aerobic exercise to that. And that's one real easy way to parse all that and put it together. Okay. So stretching, balance, aerobics or endurance, and then the strengthening uh, activities. Yeah. And well, yoga is certainly a prized approach to uh, maintaining physical fitness. And I have a colleague who's coming on uh, my program in a few weeks and he's looked at, you know, physical fitness. And he said, when he tries to understand what, what it means to be physically fit, there's not a certain definition for that. And, you know, basically what he's learned is that fitness is all about mobility. And exactly. fit, being fit means to be flexible and mobile and having our bodies move in all the different movements. And that, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, there's balance and there's aerobics, but um, the strengthening and, you know, it's all part of that mobility that makes a difference for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you agree with that mobility as the kind of the elementary definition here? Well, I would say so. Yeah, there there is no one one single definition for how how would you define fitness. It's gonna it, it varies person to person. How I think how each person defines fitness is what's important to them. Sure. But from you know from my way of thinking, I think the key is to be able to do the things that you want to be able to do until the day you die. Mm-hmm. You know, if all you want to do is sit on the couch, well, (laughs) it may end up that that's all you can do. Yeah. And that's where life gets difficult. Sure. Um, Yeah. And how about the the relationship between diet and and brain health and and gut health? We talk about the microbiome, uh, all of that, gut health. How are they all tied together? Well, you know, we are now starting to call, or we have actually been for a while, calling the gut our second brain. Mm-hmm. And when you really look at it, 
almost all of the at 80 percent of our hormones maybe even more are actually produced by our gut microbiome the problem comes in that if we don't eat the right diet then we're not feeding the right bugs we're feeding the unhealthy bugs rather than feeding the healthy bugs so when so when you eat your plant-based foods that's basically feeding the healthy bugs that are going to be producing the mm. right that are going to be producing those hormones that your body is then going to absorb mm. okay so the right yeah. foods will help those um, those proper mm -hmm. bugs the, the right positive yeah and they produce in turn the hormones that we need to stay right healthy yeah so uh, when we don't take in those those kind of plant-based foods and we take in the processed foods and the refined sugars and all that, what happens to our like uh, our biome? Well, you know, it's it starts out. You know, first of all, you're feeding the wrong bugs, and the bugs that you're feeding by by eating a lot of fat and a lot of pro a lot of animal protein and a lot of processed food, the bugs that you're feeding. Are promoting inflammation and so they're going to promote inflammation they're going to promote leaky gut and once you've got leaky gut basically what you've got is you've got spaces in between your cells that are allowing larger molecules to get absorbed directly into your blood and then you can start coming down with problems like autoimmune disorders because your body is absorbing things that it shouldn't be absorbing and it starts reacting to those and those things start cross-reacting with your own body. Mm, okay. So you can, yeah, so you can run into all kinds of problems with that, you know, um, and, you know, it leads to a whole slew of other illnesses. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. So it's the poor... The, you know, the poor diet that contributes to feeding the wrong bugs. And in turn, that creates the inflammation and leaky gut syndrome, which I've, I've read a little bit about. So it all has its kind of domino effect. And mm -hmm. it's not something that happens suddenly, right? It happens over a course of time. It's a, it happens over the course of time. Yep. Yeah. And, and it takes a while to reverse it. Now you can you know, to a large extent, it is very reversible if you, you know, if you get your diet in order. And what are the problems with inflammation? How does that manifest it? So many ways, okay. you know, inflammation is, is basically the, the beginning stages of every disease process we know is basically the long story short on that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it contributes to the diabetes, to the respiratory problems to arthritis, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Or failure. Uh, yeah. So you talk about helping people maintain the ability to do the things they love till the day they die. From a positive perspective, how do you how do you translate that? What what do we do to to do the things we love until the day we die? Translate um that. I I you know for me it it's a combination of Eat, you know, of eating the right foods, getting out and moving your body regularly and maintaining a healthy mindset, you know, and as long as you keep that flexibility in there, you know, you should be able to continue doing the things that you want to do. You keep the flexibility, you keep the capacity to move in the ways that you want to. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think mindset is so important. As I've talked about many times, it's it's what helps us get over those bumps that come along. And, you know, we're always going to have those those detours. We're always going to have those setbacks. And how do we how do we deal with those setbacks? How, what's our outlook after we get hit with a, you know, the diagnosis or a fall or a stroke? How do we deal with that mindset? How do you value mindset? I mean, how do you how, how do you recommend people to maintain this positive mind? Any um, insights there? It, it's it's all so individual, but a lot of it is just it's some some of it goes back to get feeding your body right so that you're getting the right you're you're making the right chemicals to have the healthy mindset. So that is a piece of it. But it's also, and getting out there and exercising regularly, exercise really does help your brain function. It helps your mind function. It helps clear your mind. And then beyond that, I think it's just self-kindness and having, you know, not beating yourself up when for, you know, for not doing the things that you said you're going to do, yeah, whatever it is. I mean, we all go there sometimes, but, but being conscious of that stuff and, you know, correcting it as much as you can. And meditation is something that helps people just kind of center and clear their minds. And, you know, there's, there are many, many techniques. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think, you know, as we get older, continuing to, have things that we're looking forward to doing, you know, continue to have those dreams and plans and evolve them as we age. You know, we, um, as long as we're still contributing to the world and we're still um, doing something positive, then we're going to want to continue giving and giving back. And mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. And that's going to propel us forward. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, that, that whole sense of purpose and meaning, yeah. and having goals and things that we're looking for and things we feel good about, plus the gratitude and, you know, expressing, mm-hmm. you know, recognition of what we have and, you know, focusing on the good things. But I, I want to get back to just something you said a minute ago. And that, I mean, the mindset is often a psychological thing, but you also attribute a positive mindset to eating the right foods. That if mm-hmm. we have the right chemicals, coming into our system it allows us to maintain that brain health is that what you're saying it's definitely a factor in there yes yeah yeah okay that's good to know you take a a atypical approach to diabetes um i know i've read that about uh, your background there what tell us about that approach how do you approach diabetics well you know the thing is is that more and more there's starting to be more and more evidence that high blood sugar is just a symptom if you will and the real underlying cause of diabetes is not is not high is not high blood sugar the underlying cause is having too much fat in our in our system that then we get all this fat basically congealed in our cells that doesn't allow the insulin to penetrate the system so that we can have that right balance so you can actually reverse type 2 diabetes in a matter of sometimes as little as days by adopting a 
a low fat plant-based diet. Sure. Yeah. Just like yeah. that example you gave at the outset yeah. there, where yeah. he was able to drop his, his level. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the, the presence of too much fat that interferes with the insulin mm-hmm. uh, production and that contributes to the rise in the blood sugar level. Yeah. It's, it doesn't interfere with the in- insulin production and interferes with the insulin being able to work with the cells and, and allow the glucose into the cells. Okay. All right. That's an important insight. I know we're moving through some very, very serious topics rather quickly, but I want to get to this, this one other question about uh, obesity and the high incidence of obesity today in the U.S. and in other countries around the world, as we're seeing. So why is the obese person, you know, sometimes they'll seem healthy and sometimes they're very unhealthy. How do we begin to tackle this? This is a serious problem. Yeah, well, you know, I think the thing of it is, is that obesity, some people don't want, don't like to recognize this fact, but obesity in and of itself is a health issue. You know, so you can have people that seem to be healthy. They're, you know, they're obese. Maybe they're 30, 40, 50 years old and they seem to be, they seem to, they seem to be healthy for many years, but they've got that underlying inflammation going on because the fat cells produce inflammation. So that's, you know, so that's a big part of it. But, you know, I, I think the big thing is, is that, you know, it, doesn't have to be that difficult to resolve because as soon as you start backing away from those high fat foods, you know, the weight will start to come off. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done for a lot of people, right? I mean, there's much more appeal in taking the the new medication or the anti-obesity drugs or whatever than to change diet to do the hard work right what do you say to those people well you know it's all it's all their choice you know the only thing i can say to those people is is that it is their choice and and they may want to you know what do they what kind of quality of life do they want to have in 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years I used to laugh. I used to almost laugh in people's faces when I was in chiropractic practice because every once in a while, I, you know, I, I, I would talk to people about living to be a hundred and they would look at me and they would say, I don't want to live that long. Do you have a choice? Mm. You know, and unless you're literally going to off yourself, you don't have a choice about when you go. All you have a choice about is about how you're going to live those last five to 10 years. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, you could go in an accident and you never know what tomorrow brings or all that stuff. But believe me, I have an 89 year old friend who every day is just misery for her mm-hmm. because she has chronic pain and she's obese and she has all these other issues and you don't want to go there. Yeah. If people yeah. knew how bad it can be, you know. Yeah. But on the, on the positive side, we're seeing so many more opportunities now and strategies that we can take to stay healthy and to live longer and so we're shifting away from the future as being a dark negative place to now the future is opportunity and something to celebrate and look forward to aging because there are so many good things about it and that 
that's what I'm seeing in recent years that, gee, we're, we're actually taking all of this, this new scientific information, the medical mm -hmm. information, and putting it to good use. We're yeah. living longer. We're living healthier. Yeah. We're, we're staying out of the hospitals. So, yeah. I mean, years ago, gee, our 80s, 90s, they were, they were dark periods. Who wants to, you know, grow old and become dependent and frail and needy? Mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. shifting. That, that ageist attitude is shifting. That's that's a it wonderful certainly thing. is. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, you know, as you know, I mentioned that that one friend that I have, well, I also have other friends and relatives that are just the opposite end yeah. that that are in, you know, couple couple of relatives that are still that are well into their 90s and are still, you know, still still moving around, still doing the things they want to be doing. And life is good. And, and that that's not yeah. such the exception anymore, is it? Yeah. We're, it's, we're saying yeah. it's becoming more the rule than the exception. Yeah. Yeah. So any uh, any thoughts on environmental changes, any things we can do in, in our environment that will allow us to stay healthy? Um, you know, that's that's another whole category in and to itself that I could spend an hour talking about. I think the big thing is, you know, watching the chemicals in your environment, keeping, you know, trying to do more organic in terms of the things that you put on your body in terms of shampoo and body washes and soaps and all that stuff. If you keep with more the organic, organically derived things, you're going to be much better off because a lot of the commercial stuff that's more chem that has more chemicals in it many of those chemicals can act behave as hormones mm. okay. and then we get into the whole thing with all the hormone balance and how that upsets everything sure and the possible yeah. inflammation from that yeah inflammation yeah. from yeah. that interesting well wow. yeah well this was great a lot of very helpful information i really appreciate it looks like we're out of time for today leslie um before we wrap up, I just want to remind our listeners about a few items. I'm pleased to announce a new co-sponsor for our podcast, A Mighty Good Time. Are you looking for ways to engage and stay active? Check out amightygoodtime.com. It's a one-stop shop for events and activities for those 15 over. And it's free to search and it's free to post. Amightygoodtime.com. And also be sure to visit our website, and see the option to work with Dr. Joe, that's me, for one-on-one -on -one conversations about managing setbacks, overcoming a negative outlook, and getting back to feeling engaged and motivated again. Visit the Work with Dr. Joe page on our website and see the options available. You can also pick up a copy of my book on Amazon, Living Longer is the New Normal. I think that whatever age we're at, inspiration and a positive mindset can be put to good use. That's my message in the book. And be sure to sign up to our email list for announcements and newsletters with reliable information and resources about moving forward. And while you're there, you can download a free copy of my nine tips for living longer. It's loaded with practical and useful strategies for successful aging and staying positive. Go to livingto100.club. That's the website. Leslie, thanks so much for being a guest on our show today. Mm -hmm. For those who might want to contact you, how can they do that? Um, well, my website is drlesliek.com, and um, another thing that they can do is if they if they text, mm -hmm. they can text up 
the word wellness to the number 41259 and they'll get and and go and follow the prompts on that they'll do a little questionnaire thing and uh, and they'll get 30 30 free days of inspirational and n- inspirational and health-minded messages that's so great. that's one that's one thing that they can do to get started moving in the right direction um like i said the website is drlesliek.com my instagram for anybody that may have that i'm not sure if this is the right audience for that or not um is dr.lesliek and i also have a facebook group called vibrant health over 40 and that's a public group so they can find that and join it without any difficulty oh great um yeah those are the main things a lot of vehicles a lot of good ways to stay in touch and I like the text, uh, text the word wellness to 41259. Yeah. Right. Great. Well, thanks again for being a guest on our program. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to our episode. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.